Amen. Well, it's already been said today, but happy Father's Day. I am so very proud of all the fathers that are here in this church. It's not an easy job at times, but it is probably one of the most important jobs you will ever do as a dad, as a man. And I, I just want to encourage you. Sometimes you kind of get beat up in churches on Father's Day, told all the things that you're doing wrong. But, I, you know, the guys I'm hanging out with at this church, I'm so proud of them. And we got some incredible men in this church. And it is not easy to be a father. There's a thousand chances for you to bail in fatherhood. Yet we have men in this church who are sticking it out, who are grinding it out, who are giving it all they can, being men of God, mighty warriors of God, and they are raising their kids right. Can we we just give it up for our dads one more time? Absolutely. 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 I actually have a scripture. I feel like the Lord told me to read this over the men in this church. And, and just with Father's Day being here, I think this is a word that the Lord wants all the men in this church to hear this morning. It comes from Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God, men, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, men, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you would stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, you take that shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray, men. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I pray that you can receive that word today. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to finish up our ghost series. I've enjoyed the ghost series. We're talking about being active in our faith. Uh, so many people, faith is just kind of this compartment of your life where you can talk about being a Christian, but you wouldn't actually tell if you're a Christian by the things that you say and the things that you do. And we don't want to live that way, right? So we want to be active in our faith. We want to pursue the Lord every day and actually do what He's called us to do. So the first week we talked about going and shining the light of Christ. And then we talked about go, face that giant. And then we said, go, love your neighbor. And this morning, I'm really excited about this morning, it's go, be a true disciple. True disciple, not just somebody that said a prayer a long time ago, but somebody who is active in their faith. A true disciple. A disciple, one who follows Jesus, right? One who loves Jesus. One who is learning from Jesus. One who obeys the commands of Jesus. Jesus tells us, if you love me, if you're my disciple, you're going to what? You're going to obey my commands. And that means discipleship is more than talk. Being a disciple is more than just the words that you say. In fact, it's more than what you look like on the outside. Discipleship isn't about your appearance. Being a disciple of Christ is much more about what's on the inside. A disciple's life, think of it this way, a disciple's life, the outward expression of a disciple is the overflow of the good work that God is doing on the inside. Right? The outward expression, it should be as a disciple, true disciple of Jesus Christ, the overflow of the good work that God is doing on the inside. But sometimes I see Christians, I think uh, we've all been guilty of this at times, but Christians who are kind of just faking it on the outside. Right? Faking it till I make it. Right? You're just giving the impression of a healthy and true walk with Jesus, giving the impression of obedience to God. But a true and healthy walk with Jesus will always, 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 always be about what's going on the inside first. A healthy walk with Jesus always starts from the inside out. That's what happened, right? When you became a Christian, what did he do first? He changed your heart, right? He grabbed your heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about this. He says, God says, I will give you a new, new heart and a new spirit. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove that heart of stone and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. I, it's just so important that you understand this this morning. He is most concerned about what's within you. And then the beauty of the Christian life, the beauty of the transformation that takes place in a Christian's life is that the work begins inside. And then as you grow and as you mature in Christ, what begins in here begins to show itself and becomes evident out here. The mark of a true disciple and the challenge I want to put forth today, and I believe it is a good challenge, is for all of us to be true 
disciples. And I want to look at what an authentic, true disciple looks like. And I want to take a passage. Uh, I want to walk us through a passage, a very intense passage, in Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 12. Jesus is speaking here. His words are spoken in a very serious tone. His words, I want you to hear this morning, His words are a warning. A warning for His disciples who are with Him at the time, but also a warning for us who are reading His words today. Before we read, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I do thank You so much for You and Your Word today. I pray that we would heed Your warnings, that we would listen to the wisdom that You want to share with us this morning, and that we would be transformed by Your Holy Spirit. We would not leave here the same. Help us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Lead us and guide us today, Lord. In Your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. All right, thousands of people gathered. Right? So many people have gathered that they're actually trampling upon one another. The, the best thought that I could come up with is kind of the black and white images and photos and videos of you see when the Beatles were the big thing and the girls are screaming and fainting and passing out and all those things. Just the trampling on of one another. Right? Jesus is there. So many people trampling upon one another. And then in the midst of this, I mean, you just got to see it. There's chaos. In the midst of the chaos, he speaks to his disciples. He says, there's something I want you to hear. He's going to teach them. He's going to teach them something deep. He's going to teach them something meaningful. It's a warning. In the midst of the chaos, and they're trampling on one another. He says, disciples, come here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Nothing that is hidden that will not be known. Now, a little, give you a little context. It's like, where does this whole Pharisee thing come, uh, come from? Well, you've got to flip back a page to chapter 11. So if you're in your Bibles, flip back a page chapter 11. Chapter 11, there's a pretty intense conversation, pretty intense dialogue between Jesus and some of these Pharisees and, this, and these religious uh, teachers, these lawyers. And, and this is what it says if you go back to chapter 11, verse 37. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and Jesus reclines at the table. The Pharisee was astonished that Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees Cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Wow, okay, so <laughs> he, he invites Jesus into dinner, and then Jesus just goes out, right? You are full of greed and wickedness. Like, wow, last time I invite Jesus to dinner, right? And he's not done. He says, you fool! Did he not who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms these things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These who ought to have done, you have ought to have done without neglecting the others. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. Again, so he invites this guy into the house, and Jesus just starts going, whoa, like all over the place on this guy. Well, now one of the lawyers is like, well, hey, you know, hey, right? The lawyer's a teacher. Hey, right? Jesus, in saying these things, you actually insult us as well. And you kind of think at that point, Jesus would turn and like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got carried away. I, I shouldn't have done so many woes. But then what does he do? He says, woe to you lawyers also. Like, oh, that's what you get for, you know, speaking up, right? Who else wants a woe, right? I'm dishing out the woes pretty good today. Woe to you. Woe to you, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, you, that you yourselves do not touch the burdens of one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed, so you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of this world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for, I love this one, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. And it says that he went away from there, 
Like, that part just cracks me up. So he invites, the Pharisee invites Jesus in. Jesus starts all like, woe to you, and woe to you, and then he leaves. Like, that's awesome to me. <laughs> so it says, as he went away from there, they're like, man, just never again, right? Just out of here. The scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard, provoke him to speak about many things. They're lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. That's the context. Now there's so many people. They are crowding with, on the top of each other. And then you got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're all hating on Jesus. The crowds are so intense. They're trampling on one another. Jesus grabs his disciples. He says, come here. Pay attention. Listen to me. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So he's a little frustrated. You see that? He's a little annoyed. He's a little focused. He's a little intense right now. Leaven. Pharisees. Hypocrisy. Leaven's a pretty good word to use for hypocrisy. The yeast of the Pharisees. Jesus uses this word intentionally when you begin to think about it. Hypocrisy really is like leaven. If you remember your home ec class in high school, anyone else have to take home ec? Leaven kind of works its way through the dough, right? And it works its way through all the dough. And what does the dough do? It rises, right? And if you remember, just a little bit of leaven, it goes a long way. And it makes its way into the whole batch of dough. And it fades into everything. And it's a lot like hypocrisy. Hypocrisy has the same way of, uh, uh, works much the same way. Hypocrisy spreads. Hypocrisy puffs up, right? It swells. In hypocrisy, you become puffed up, proud of all the public laws and outward rules that you're following, showing the world what a good person you are. Where all along your secret life is not lining up with your outward appearance. This is the leaven of the Pharisees. Hypocrisy. And Jesus, he's warning his disciples. He's warning us as his disciples. Do not go the way of the Pharisee. Do not go the way where you are one way in public and another way in secret. Clean and shiny on the outside, but dead on the inside. In fact, this way of living, if you look at Jesus' thoughts on it, it's foolishness to Jesus. In the eyes of Jesus, this is, it doesn't even make sense. In fact, when you see Jesus engage with the Pharisees, like in the passage I just read, this attitude, this posture, Jesus has very little tolerance for. And so he's coming to his disciples. He says, come here. Pay attention. I mean, get it. Chaos. People all around him. People that hate him. People that are trying to get to him. Pay attention, disciples. Come here. Do not let hypocrisy creep into your life. In fact, he would say, you know what? It might look like the Pharisees are winning in this game of life. Right? It might look like they have the significance. It might look like they have the power. But listen to me. I've got something to tell you, Jesus would say. They might look like they're sitting pretty, but nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Kind of reminds me of Trevin's room. (laughs) Like... He doesn't do this as much, but like two, three years ago, we'd like, Trevin, you got to clean your room. And, and if you've been a parent, you've been here before. We're not like, like we're talking like five minutes later. All done. All right, room's clean. All right, so you go up there and you come into the room and it's looking pretty clean, isn't it? The bed's made, room's, you know, clean. But then if you look at the room, the bed's looking a little lumpy, isn't it? Because what they've done is, you go over there and you pull over the covers and there's the Hot Wheels and the underwear and the clothes and the toys and everything, right? You just you either put it under the bed or on top of the bed and then you put that nice cover over it and look at how clean my room is. Well, he's saying that's kind of what we do, right? Don't live this way in regards to hypocrisy. Don't, don't just put that nice blanket over. Be aware of that lifestyle because, see, it might look good on the outside, but that doesn't mean or that doesn't fix the solution or isn't the solution to the fact that you are corrupt. And a mess on the inside. And that, and that might last for a while, right? You can play that game for a while. Like you've cleaned your room, right? But it's all going to come crumbling down eventually. Verse 2, he, he, he blows it up, right? Because nothing that is covered up will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark, and he takes it up a notch here, whatever you said in the dark, it shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. When I was reading that, I was thinking if I was a disciple of Christ at that point, I'm kind of standing there and he's like, you know, nothing that is covered up will not be revealed, hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Aren't you just like, oh man, 
Does he know about last night? <laughs> right? Come on. Right? Uh, I mean, he's talking about the Pharisees, but I, I know me too, right? And, uh, and you're really going to like proclaim it from the housetop? Like, uh, snap, right? Anybody else? Like, I'm in trouble. Oh, man. <laughs> but you've got to remember, Jesus, when he says this, he really loves his disciples. You've got to remember that. And he really loves us. And so when he's speaking, you've got to remember, he's speaking from a place of love. Out of his love for us, he sees the potential of hypocrisy in all of us. And so because He loves us, He actually wants to warn us. Isn't that good? God wants to help us. He's warning us. Not to condemn us, but to help us. And He's, he's saying, Dan, Jeremy, right? Don't let it take root. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't let hypocrisy make its way into the batch, the entire batch of your life. Don't do it. And I hope that we can all receive this warning today. I hope that everyone sitting here, you can receive this warning today. Because newsflash... Hate to break it to you, but at some level, we are all guilty of saying one thing and doing another. Right? We all dabble into the world of hypocrisy. Some of you are doing it right now. In our flesh, we're just really good at being hypocrites. But you've got to love what Jesus is saying here. This is so good. It's a warning. He's actually wanting to help us. He knows what we're capable of. And He says, yeah, I know that you're a hypocrite sometimes, but it's time to let me help you because... I don't want it to ruin your life. I don't want it to ruin your life. I don't want it to ruin your influence. I don't want it to ruin your effectiveness. I don't want hypocrisy to make its way into your entire body. And I don't want hypocrisy to make its way into this entire body. Stop it. He would say, stop it. Everything's going to be brought into the light anyways, right? Relax. You're thinking you're playing a game and somehow you're going to outsmart God or... Trick God? Stop it. You can't pull a fast one on God. Living a life of hypocrisy isn't going to get you anywhere with God, right? He's not that impressed. In fact, what is God impressed with? 1 Samuel 16, 7 tells us what He's impressed with. The Lord says, people, people look at what? The outward appearance. But what does God look at? He looks at the heart. See, He's not impressed with all of this. He's impressed or He cares about this. From the inside out. Stop playing games. Stop being a hypocrite. Be right with God. Your yes be yes and your no be no. Be the same on the inside as you are on the out. Relax. Stop living for the approval of man. Live for God. Surrender. Give Him your heart. Let Him transform you from the inside out. You be a true and honest disciple. Do not let hypocrisy run rampant in your life. Don't let it ruin your life. He is warning you. Do you see that out of His love for you? He is warning us today. I hope we can receive that warning. And then He goes on. Verse 4. I tell you, my friends, my friends, do you see his love? I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after they have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I love this verse, especially when we're talking about being a true disciple. I think this is just an incredibly powerful scripture. Again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it's crazy. Remember, chaos, people trampling on each other, Pharisees teaching the laws, hating on them. And, and he's speaking to his disciples and he's telling them, do not fear men. Right? They, they might be intimidated. They might be afraid of men. But he's telling them, don't be afraid of men. It kind of reminds me of the U.S. Open. I was working security for the U.S. Open this week. And I was at this gate. And the gate, uh, I kind of protected the players, which is ridiculous. What am I going to do? But anyways, so the gate, when I say gate, you think of in a gate, but the gate was actually just an open space. I am the gate. So here I am, the gate. And Jason Day, who's one of the guys, he's actually in uh, the final pairing today. Uh, he walks by and a little cute kid's like, Jason, you know, autograph. Well, Jason comes over to the gate, which by the way, again, the gate is just me, comes, stands right next to me and starts signing autographs. Well, do you think just that one kid got an autograph and then they went away and it was all good? No, like literally, Jason Day's getting autographs. Ah! And like everyone's running over. Again, I'm the gate. My supervisor behind me is like, you just stand there. Who is that? Jason Day. Jason Day's over at the gate. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just standing there like, it was intimidating, right? It was intimidating. But maybe they're not so afraid or fearful of the masses of people. Maybe it's those Pharisees, right? These people of significance. I got another story from the U.S. Open. So part of my job was I'm standing in front of this nicely paved, smooth 
cart path that, you know, just makes sense that a cart could just go down that path and, 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 and that's great. And so Fox Sports and all their carts, they, they're broadcasting the tournament and they would want to use that cart path. But the USGA, the United States Golf Association, decided they didn't want to let uh, Fox Sports use that path. They wanted to cut a hole through this other gate and make them go through the crowd, thousands of people, on the bumpy grass. So you have the nice smooth pathway, but the USGA tells them that they have to go on the bumpy grass through all the people. Guess whose job it was to tell them that they couldn't go down the really beautiful straight path and had to go on the grass? It was the guy making 10 bucks an hour trying to send kids to summer camp. So I'm like, sorry, you can't go there. You have to go there. So I'm just, I'm being honest. Eight hours a day, I just got cussed out by Fox Sports cars. Like, you, and I'm like, so anyways, there might have been a little fear there. But what is God telling Pastor Dan? He says, do not fear man. Fear God. Do not fear man. Fear God. Have a healthy respect for God. Fear God. And I just want you to kind of put that, write it up in your brain, just keep it there. Fear God. I'm going to keep on reading. Fear God, verse number 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. For you are of more value than many sparrows. I love that. So fear God so that you can fear not. You see that? A healthy fear of God actually results in the absence of fear. That's beautiful. I, I love that the scripture that Jesus, he is so wise in what he's saying. He said, have a respect for God. Revere God. Honor God. Make sure that God has the right place in your life, the place that he deserves. And if you do, if you serve him as the Lord of your life, guess what? All fear is gone. Oh, isn't that beautiful? All fear is gone because guess what? God's got you. He's got you. He knows you. He finds value in you. He knows you so well. This is absurd. If I was God, what a waste of time this next thing is. He knows you so well, and He loves you so much, He has even numbered the hairs of your head. That is ridiculous to me. Who has time? I guess you got all eternity, but seriously, all the numbers of the hair of your head, but that's how much He intimately knows you and cares about you and loves you. He's got you. Fear Him who knows the number of hairs on your head. Put your trust in Him, your hope in Him. Give Him the honor and the praise that is due His name. And when you do, guess what? You have no reason to fear. Anyone else learning that? I'm learning that. The older I get, the more mature I get in Christ. To not fear man, but to fear God. Have a healthy respect for God. And in that, all fear goes away. That's so rich, isn't it? It's a rich passage on what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. Now, this next verse, I don't put it up on the screen yet. This is a radically bold statement Jesus is talking, and he's talking about himself. <laughs> I was reading this this week, and I, and I was just here to say that if you just read it, and if Jesus is not the Messiah, if Jesus is not the Christ, if he's talking this way, what he's about to say would absolutely be crazy talk. If Joe Blow or Dan or anybody else started speaking this way, you're like, man, you are the leader of a cult. This is crazy talk. If this person isn't God the Son, God himself, this is ridiculous. Let's go ahead and read it together. I think it's verse 8. He says this. Say it again. Oh, say it, say it with me. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. <laughs> but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. That's a pretty bold statement. And if he's not God the Son, I'm telling you, he's a madman. Yet, we know it's true, right? We're true disciples of Christ. And so we take it seriously. And so what do we do? We acknowledge Christ before men. True disciples of Christ. We are quick to identify ourselves as His disciples. Can that be said of you? I hope it can. Right? Because as disciples, we agree with the Apostle Paul. What does the Apostle Paul say? He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God that brings salvation. Every believer, we, every believer has to come to grips with this. I think this is one of the big transitions that we have to make when we get out of the home, when we get out of high school, or maybe it's our college years or our young 20s. We have to figure out, am I going to truly be a disciple or not? Right? It's not just going to be about, yeah, I said a prayer a long time ago in a church. But am I this day, today, actively pursuing God? 
following Jesus Christ wherever He might lead me by His Holy Spirit? Am I unashamed of Him? Do I proclaim His love? Do I proclaim His salvation with a boldness and confidence? Am I telling the world that I've been saved from the penalty of my death by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross? And that if He can save me, then He can save anybody. Am I speaking that with the light that I shine? Is my life displaying the glory of God? Am I ashamed or am I unashamed? I think it's every, every one of us in this room, we have to wrestle with that. Am I a true disciple of Christ? And true disciples are not ashamed of Jesus. So here it is. Jesus says all these things in Luke chapter 12 to His disciples and to us. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the people trampling one another, in the midst of the Pharisees and the teachers hating Jesus. And guess what? If they hate Jesus, they're probably going to hate you. And there you are. And Jesus is speaking to you. He's speaking not to condemn you, but to help you. Out of His deep love for you, out of His deep love for His followers, He's sharing wisdom. Listen to me. Come close. Listen. Pay attention to my words. Stand true. Stand firm. He is speaking wisdom. And we listen to Him and He says in verse 10, everyone who speaks the word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Well, I think that's a pretty good one, right? That sounds like something Jesus would say. But then he says something that the first time I read this, I was like, what? He says, but the one who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What? Like now that I'm a Christian, I've read that a bunch. I've studied it. You know, now I'm just like, well, of course. Yeah. But like the first time you read that, did anyone else just be like, what? Like this is Jesus we're talking about. The loving, forgiving, merciful grace. Just what? I mean, does it catch your, I hope it catches your attention. I mean, Jesus, I get that you're a little frustrated. I get that maybe you're a little annoyed with the, the fantasy, but this is serious talk. Maybe they translated it wrong. So all I want to say about this is, is, is this, is, just a couple of things. You are in dangerous territory when you do not believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, when you do not allow yourself to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit, or when you defame or speak against the work of the Holy Spirit. See, we're told in the Gospels that Jesus left this earth so that He could send who? So He could send the Holy Spirit. Who is our helper? Who is our guide? Who is our comforter? The Holy Spirit. And you need to know this. The Holy Spirit-filled life is the only way to be a Christian. And I wish that didn't sound as radical as it sounds. That shouldn't sound radical. But somehow, the devil has convinced so many people that the Christian life is possible without the Holy Spirit. But there is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work in us. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us and who teaches us. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you strength when you are weak. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you words to speak when you do not know what to say. And you do not want to find yourself on the opposing side of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Do not speak against Him. Do not ignore Him. I was thinking this week, we just got to get with the program. We've got to get with the program. The Christian life is the Holy Spirit-led and filled life. Do you know how I know? The next two verses, Jesus tells you. It's, exactly, it's, just, it's in here. The next two verses, He shows you how the Christian life and the Holy Spirit-led life are synonymous. Again, we're talking about being a true disciple. This is what it means to be a true disciple. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 11. Again, chaos. People around them, trampling, people that hate you, the, the Pharisees, those teachers of the law, those lawyers. It's craziness. He says, disciple, come close. Come close to me. I want to warn you. I want to help you. I want to speak wisdom into your life. When they, when they bring you before the synagogues, when they bring you before the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you're going to defend yourself or what you should say, because the who? The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. What that moment must have been like. When it, I'm telling you, the disciples were probably afraid. Do you know why he has to say, do not fear? Because they have fear. By the way, if you think you have to like, be this perfect person, the Bible doesn't even make sense to you. The Bible speaks to your need. You're a little fearful, so the Lord comes in. He says, come close. 
come close. I just want you to know that you don't have to be afraid. The rulers, the authorities, the Sanhedrin, all those guys, the synagogue, they're going to pull you in there. They're going to persecute you. They're going to mock you. They're going to torture you. They might even kill you. But I am telling you today, do not be anxious about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit. Here's the great thing about being a Christian. Jesus, you just know he's telling. Here's the great thing. You will never be alone. You'll never be abandoned. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Not only is he going to be with you, he's going to tell you what to do. He's going to tell you what to say. Isn't that good? If you're a true disciple, you are one who is led by the Spirit. Will you trust in every situation, every situation, you do not have to be anxious. You can trust, depend, and call on the Holy Spirit to give you exactly what you need to face that situation. It is so good. Yet I feel so many people are missing out, but it is so good. Jesus, He's so excited to tell us. He's so excited for us to experience the Holy Spirit. He says to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I will give you the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. So here you are, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You put your hope and your trust in God. You're the one who fears God. You have a healthy fear of God. And because of that, you are not afraid of man and what man might try to do to you. And before rulers and before authorities, when it looks like chaos, you are not anxious about anything. You are not anxious about how you're going to defend yourself or what you're going to say or what you're going to do. For you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you exactly in that very hour exactly what you need to say. I do not fear man. For God is with me. And what I love about verses 11 and 12 is now go back to verse 10. When it talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now you can see why blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is so serious. Because what you're doing is you are denying yourself the very supernatural lifeline, living water, resource, the very toolbox that you are meant to have to successfully live the Christian life. When you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you are saying, I do not want to live the Christian life. Because again, it is impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You see why it's so important, this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because you cannot live the Christian life without Him. Holy Spirit is so important, yet He is by far the most forgotten member of the Trinity. I honestly believe this, church, that there would be an awakening in our community like no one has ever seen before if we truly walked like disciples who welcomed the Holy Spirit's influence in our lives where we allowed Him to teach us in every situation what to say and what to do. One of the saddest things I experienced, I don't say this to condemn you, I just, I'm just sharing my experience. One of the saddest things that I witness all the time is when I go into a small group and I ask a question like, what has the Holy Spirit been doing in your life? Or where have you seen the Holy Spirit at work? And so often I get crickets. As if silence was an option! He's alive. He is working every day. The Holy Spirit is always at work. And as a true disciple of Christ, He wants to give you exactly what you need right now, in this moment, Sunday morning, to give you exactly what you need, exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to say. A confidence in the Holy Spirit. So many people waiting until life is at its very end, at the very pit of life, the very dep- just the worst depravity of life. And then you go, God, where are you? And Holy Spirit, can you do something for me? Well, He's not the last resort. The Holy Spirit should be the first resort when you wake up in the morning. But Ray one time he said, Dan, every morning put on the full armor of God. That's right. You wake up and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I'm in your army. I'm awake. I'm ready to go. Give me eyes of faith. Give me ears of faith. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And you begin to live a life full of the Holy Spirit. That's the abundant, joy-filled life compared to, oh, guess this whole thing isn't working out. Maybe God could do something. If you want to stay away from being a Pharisee, which I do, right? If you want to not live that life of hypocrisy, guess what? You're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. So Holy Spirit, come help us. If you want to live a life where you're no longer living in fear of man, I've lived a lot of years in fear of man and what man might do to me. Well, guess what? If you don't want to live in fear of man, you've got to ask the Lord to come in once again and give me a healthy fear and a healthy respect of God. And guess what? When you have that place where God has the right place in your life, 
fear is wiped away. If you want to live in such a confident life of victory and faith, of boldness for Jesus, where you're no longer ashamed of Jesus Christ, where you shine the light of Christ wherever you go, and I think a lot of us in this room, we want that in our lives, well then guess what? You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. You have to give Him permission to fill you and to lead you. And guess what? He will give you exactly what you need to live a powerful, supernatural life for Him. The Holy Spirit, by the way, is always faithful to give you what you need. Peter talks about that, doesn't he? Remember what Peter says? He says, the power of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God gives you exactly what you need, gives you everything that you need, he says, to live a godly life. Isn't that beautiful? He's always faithful to give you what you need. Never a time, never a time will you go into any situation where you are lacking if you are depending upon the Holy Spirit and giving Him permission to lead you and to speak to you and to guide you. Never! Ever! Do you see how fear just begins to be wiped away when you begin to have a confidence in the Holy Spirit? Not just for that one time. I remember when 1978, when the Holy Spirit did this or did that. No, I'm talking every day the Holy Spirit is with you, leading you and guiding you. Giving you what you need. He's faithful to do that. We just have to give Him permission. And so this morning, I just want to say this. You hear these warnings of Jesus. This week I've been spending all this time with the warnings of Jesus. And and it's been rich. It's been good for me. It's challenged me in my own life. And I believe most of us in this room, as we hear these warnings, we love Jesus. And so as people who love Jesus, we want to respond to Him, don't we? Right? We're open to what He'd have to say to us. But I want you to hear this. It's only possible to respond by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? You can't just muscle it up. Right? If I just try really hard, or if I just... Right? More than anything, what God would want you to do, instead of muscling, it would be to surrender, to yield, to relax, take a deep breath, actually make some room for Him to speak. Holy Spirit, I give you permission once again to speak into my life. I, I felt like I had that vision at 8.15. We were praying for the services and I felt like the Lord was saying He is like a racehorse in the gates. And yet, we're keeping the gates closed. And, and He's saying, just push the button. Let me run. Let me run. You should see me run. I am the best racehorse. You should see me run. But we're like, no, no. Just, just almost. Almost. But He was saying, open up the gates. Let me run. And we can cheer Him up. Yeah, look at what God is doing. Woo! Did you see that horse? That's my God. That's my God. Run, baby, run. And so this morning I said, Lord, I open up the gates. I give you permission. Run. Do your thing. If if you're going to do something in this community, do it. Do it. Run. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Give us what we need. Ah. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, come. We give you permission. Once again, we give you permission. How can we live this life without you? And for those of us that have tried to live it without you, I can guarantee you how we're feeling this morning. We're depressed, we're discouraged, and we're exhausted. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who's been muscling it, muscling through it, that they would just find a safe place to surrender today, Lord. We already know you're here. You're speaking. Let this be a safe place where we can surrender and yield. Yield. For those that don't even know, maybe this is the first time you've ever even heard of the Holy Spirit and living a Holy Spirit-filled life. I I pray right now, if, if you're open to Him filling you, just give Him permission and He will fill you. He does not want to hide himself from you. Just give him permission. Some of you, he's just been locked up. You need to open up the gates to the dam. Let it flow. Let the living water flow in your life. For others of us, the Holy Spirit was always just something that happened in the past, in the 70s or in the 80s. But today, the Lord would say, today, He wants to pour out His Spirit on you. Today, June 2015, that you would say, Oh, do you remember the summer of 2015? Oh, do you remember when the Lord spoke to His servants and poured out His Spirit 
on my life. It's an everyday filling of the Lord. Filling of His Spirit. Just give Him permission in your heart. Give Him permission. We have time. I, I, I went early. Lord, I just sense there's fear in this room. There's a fear that uh, is not a healthy fear. It is a misplaced fear. Lord, I pray that you would cast out that fear in, in your mighty name. By your Spirit. Again, I just still sense it. It's just a heavy, heavy, gripping, crippling fear. If that's you, just give Him permission. Just open up. It's a safe place for Him to speak to you. You've compartmentalized where you allow the Spirit to go in your life. You can go here, but you can't go here. This morning, let Him invade the entire body. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We give you permission. Holy Spirit. Again, some of you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And I, and I just want you to know, even if you do not know what I'm talking about, if you are open and hungry for the Holy Spirit, in this moment, He can give you gifts that you've never had before. In this moment, He can resource you supernaturally with things that you've never had before. If you're open to it. You don't have to have the Bible memorized before the Holy Spirit can do amazing work in your life. You don't earn it. It's a gift of the Spirit. Receive the gift this morning. Again, I just feel like this is so serious. Some of you are going to go into work empty tomorrow morning and try to muscle your way through work and through the week. And I'm just here to say, how long are you going to try to muscle your way through faith? Allow Him to fill you up today. Stop fighting God. Say yes to the Lord this morning. Allow Him to fill you up. I get that it's embarrassing sometimes when we, have, we say things out loud, but then say it in your heart. Just, Lord, fill me up. Holy Spirit, Fill me up. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to invade my life, to lead me, to guide me, to teach me, to correct me, to convict me. If you came in this, this morning and you were going down the wrong path, allow the Holy Spirit right now to lead you on the right path. Don't get too prideful. Don't, don't start uh, getting prideful. Release that. Yield that to the Lord. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm on the wrong path. Holy Spirit, stop me in my tracks and lead me, turn me in the ways of the Lord. That I would not leave here the same. I would not leave here going the same direction as I came in. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Too many of us, we come trying to find an intellectual nugget on a Sunday morning when we're here to meet the presence of God, to experience the power of God. You, God. You, Lord. Your power on display. Your presence. Convict us, Lord. I don't need another truth nugget. I need Your presence. I don't need another point to use in debate. I need Your presence. Your Spirit. Lord, pour out Your Spirit on this place. We still have a few moments. Lord, just we wait upon You. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us again. We'd have a Monday morning like never before. 
New gifts, Lord. A new joy. Lord, whatever the enemy would be wanting to do in this moment, the lies, the schemes, the facade, we pray that that would be broken in the name of Jesus. The excuses would be broken in the name of Jesus. Have your way, Lord. That would start as drops, would turn into trickles, which would turn from trickles, which would turn into a stream, which turned from a stream into a river, which would turn from a river into an ocean. Let your river flow, Lord. River of God, flow. Living water, flow. River of God, flow in this place. Sweetness of your presence, Lord. Sweetness of your voice. Sweetness of your voice. Sweetness of your voice. So you give us words of knowledge this week, Lord. So you give us eyes of faith and ears of faith. We'd see our co-workers differently. We'd see our family differently. Lord, in the natural, some of our relationships are just done. There's no hope in the natural. In our flesh, they are just done. So give us supernatural faith for those relationships. Breathe your Spirit on them once again. Because we don't know what to do. We're out of answers. We've tried and nothing's worked, Lord. So let it be you, God. You show us what to say. You show us what to do. Lord, we're maybe in an environment where it seems like everyone around us isn't really a big fan of us or doesn't like us. We're gripped with fear. Lord, show us what it means to put our trust in you where fear of man would fall by the wayside. Give us a boldness. I I just feel that, again, I'm not trying to freak anyone out here, but I just feel like the Lord is speaking in such a big way that this is a word for one person in this room. That you know that you have been just, there's been a roadblock of fear. And you think that if you got through this roadblock, that it would let you do one thing for God or maybe one thing that God has called you to do. But I just feel that the Lord is saying this roadblock is keeping you from the thousands upon thousands of things that God has called you to do. That is not just for that one thing. That there will be a cascade of God's will being shown in your life as you put your trust in Him and truly fear Him instead of man. I feel like it's for a younger person in this room. And you know who you are. But I want one day for you to, I want you to teach me about Jesus. And the only way we're going to get there is if you hand that fear back over to God and let Him take care of it. Give your fears back to Him. Cast your anxiety and your cares back on Him. So that you can live the life He has called you to live. And we will all learn from you. We'll all learn from you. I thank you for that word, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Amen. Whew. Well, our time is up. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over you. It's going to be a good week. (laughs) He would speak that over you. My grace is sufficient. You feel like you can't do it. 
Well, guess what? God can do it through you. His grace is sufficient. In your weakness, He is strong. I pray a blessing over each one here, Lord. And I don't want this to be just a religious ritual. I pray Your presence over each person here, Lord. That where they go, You would go. They would not know even a moment, even a second outside of Your presence, Lord. And I pray that people, including myself, we would yield to Your presence, Lord. And we'd say yes to You once again. Show us what it means to say yes. Show us what it means to give you our anxiety, to give you our fears, Lord. Show us what it means to put you in your rightful place as our King and as our Lord. But I pray a blessing on these people, Lord. A blessing. I pray joy over these people, Lord. So many hurting people in my life, Lord. I pray joy over their lives, Lord. A deep-rooted joy that the enemy and the devil and his minions could never steal away. I pray that joy would be planted on their hearts. I pray for life over them, Lord. That every step they take, they would see the flowers of the Lord be planted. That every step they take, life would be surrounding them, Lord. That they would enter rooms, and as they enter rooms, life would enter the room, Lord. As they enter their family and their workplace and their schools, Lord, just life would enter in those buildings, Lord. Life, Lord. Let it be, Lord, that Your Spirit would move in this community. Move in this community. And we're humbled by it, but You have called Your Spirit to move in this community through broken vessels like me and everyone else here. And I don't know sometimes about Your plan, God. I have some questions, but it's Your plan. And You said, through You I will display my glory. And if that's Your plan, then we say, yes, God, here am I, send me. If that's Your plan, then we say yes. If that's your, if your plan is a local church, well, then I'm going to say, God, here am I, send me. As a church, we say, here am I, send me. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may do and say all that you have called us to do. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.